Oh, hi. I'm your host, Kyle Brownrigg, and welcome to Best Actress, discussing Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress Oscar wins, who we feel should have won, and why. the nominees for performance by an actress in a leading role. Jalitza Aprizio Roma. Glenn Close, the wife. Olivia Coleman, the favorite. Lady Gaga, a star is born. Melissa McCarthy, can you ever forgive me? And the Oscar goes to... Olivia Colman. Hello and welcome to another episode of Best Actress. Today we're going to be talking about the 2019 ceremony year win for Olivia Coleman, the famous Glenn always so close but no cigar year. Uh, today uh, we are joined by uh, a friend, a pal, and a confidant. Uh, previously been on the show uh, before. He is a Canadian Comedy Award winner. He is a creator. And uh, his half hour Out TV stand up special that is coming to Out TV as well as Amazon in April. Uh, it's Robert Watson. Hi, Robert. Hello. Oh, oh my gosh. I'm so I'm excited to be back. Uh, well, so what, I'm trying to remember what it was the Catherine Zeta Jones Best Supporting Actress I was on. That's right. Uh, previously. Yes. Yes. Uh, I'm excited to talk about this. I have to say, the best supporting actress doing a podcast on that, and then or doing best lead actress. Right. Oh, lead actress is a lot more work. <laughs> oh my gosh, I have to pay attention to the whole movie. I know, and it's interesting <laughs> because whenever you go back into older films, it's like you'll notice that like the lead actress, like Talia Shire in Rocky, for example, mm. is in the movie for like 12 minutes, and they're like lead actress nomination. So you're like, okay, but in uh, you know, the 2000s, the 2010s, they're actually like, why don't we actually get like a lead role? Yeah. That's actually like a fucking lead role in terms of screen time. Um, although uh, we'll get into it, but Olivia Coleman actually had less screen time than um, two of her uh, co-stars. Yeah. Rachel Weiss and uh, um, Emma Stone. And Emma Stone. Yes, of course. I always want to call her Emma Watson. They actually, uh, she, Emma Stone, by the way, was supposed to be in Little Women and then Emma Watson replaced her. See, confusing. It confuses me. And I always wanted to, I always want to call her Alicia Silverstone for some reason too. <laughs> I don't know why, but it's yeah. just what the name that pops in. Yeah. Just like I always want to call um, Melanie Griffith. Um, Dakota Fanning. No. Well, no, that, that's her daughter. So. Yeah, right. But, but no, who's a, I always got Melanie Griffith and another actress confused. So obviously I'm not getting them confused anymore. No. I, I can't remember <laughs> who the other person was. I know what you're saying. I, uh, I make a lot of blunders on this. I, sometimes I listen to old episodes and I make a lot of like little mistakes like here and there. And I know that there are queens around the world listening to me like, actually, and I just kind of love how angry they are with me. It's like, uh, I'm not getting paid for this. So oh, and I just remember Meg Ryan. It was Meg Ryan and Millie Griffith. I always get mixed up. <laughs> Fair Anyways. enough. Fair enough. Um, okay, so 2019 ceremony year win. So the best picture went to Green Book. And I remember that was a very like controversial win. But also, like logically, it made sense that that movie won. Uh, mm. Best actor went to Rami Malek for Bohemian Rhapsody. I do not understand that win. Oh, God. Uh, best supporting actor went to uh, 
uh, Mahershala Ali for Green Book. I love Mahershala. I call mm. him my Mashugana. Uh, <laughs> Best Supporting Actress went to Regina King for If Beale Street Could Talk. I have never seen that movie, um, but uh, that's another episode. Uh, and uh, Best Director went to Alfonso Cuaron for Roma. 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 Okay, so um, before we jump into it, I just got to ask, like, how are you? Like, what's going on? What's new with you? Uh, well, I'm trying to come up with out of my uh, pandemic haze, like so many mm. uh, live performers. So, you know, getting back into doing live comedy shows is fantastic, as you would obviously know as well. It's been great to be back on an actual stage instead yeah. of like a Zoom show or yeah. something like that. As much as I, hey, love anyone who loves their Zoom shows, uh, respect. But like, yeah, I missed my audience, especially because it makes me more money. Yeah, 100%. Uh, <laughs> I understand. So, yeah. yeah. And it is really great, actually, just to be out of the fucking house. Like, no kidding. I have been on the couch for two years jerking off. Like, mm. that's all because I'm. That's why it's that color. Yeah, it's pregnant. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, because the Canadian government was like, you're non-essential, which fair for a comedian. Like, yeah. fair. Um, but, uh, yeah, nothing's are getting back to normal and I, I feel your excitement. Yeah. I'm here. I mean, the world's falling apart around us, but you know, yeah. we persevere. <laughs> um, for anybody listening to this, uh, this date of recording is March 3rd, uh, 2022. Uh, next week I will be in Calgary doing a small tour. Uh, if you're in the Calgary area or Edmonton or Red Deer or whatever, and you want to come check out my show, uh, it's, it's next week. Uh, but if you're listening to this uh, at a later date, uh, just disregard this. So uh, let us go ahead and jump into our first movie. And there is a reason that I selected this first to watch because mm. I'm going to be honest with you. I just wanted to get it over with because I've seen this movie before and I feel like this is going to elicit the gay gasp. And I feel like this is going to like oh really God. bother a lot of people, I'm but I find that this is one of the most overrated films I've ever <gasps> seen in my entire life. Let us talk about Yalitza Aparicio in Roma. <gasps> yeah. So I had to gasp. It felt, it felt appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> so Alfonso Cuaron, you know, he had previously won uh, the Academy Award for Best Director for uh, Gravity. And, oh, yes, that's right. And so his follow-up would have been like, is it going to be this big, like, action film? Is it going to be another sci-fi moment? But instead we got, like, the memory of his childhood. Very personal story. Very personal story. And... I this movie was so critically acclaimed where yeah. you had like Spike Lee and you had like Guillermo del Toro coming in and writing these long like praising messages yeah. of his genius of how this was accomplished and I don't doubt that because when you're an expert in an industry whenever like civilians are like well I don't like it it's like well you don't know what you're talking about because yeah. I know and I can appreciate that as an artist I understand that but that doesn't mean that it is an entertaining movie or an interesting <laughs> movie to me I'm sure it's probably all of those things I'm sure it's probably extremely wonderful this is perhaps one of the most painful movies I've ever had to sit through ah. twice Twice. And I cannot stand it. I, I think the only thing that I love about this movie is the cinematography. Oh, my God. Because I couldn't stand the cinematography. <laughs> it drove me nuts. And, of course, they won uh, the Academy Award for Cinematography for yeah. this. Yeah. But, like, so, I mean, it's not about the actors, but the cinematography. It was just so much like, and we slide the camera to the right. Yeah. <laughs> right. And then we slide the camera to the left. And, I, honestly, it was getting distracting. Like, I felt like he definitely wanted to make a statement, like make cinematography one of the other stars of the show. Mm -hmm. But I really felt that it was uh, a bit heavy handed and overbearing to mm -hmm. be quite honest. I was like, it's not 
I get it. You're, this is your style that you're going for. Uh-huh. I didn't connect with it personally. So yeah. it's, but hey, you did. So that's great. Well, see, and that's another thing too. Like another reason why I probably wouldn't connect with a story like this is because this is a story of uh, a politically uh, unrested community during the 1970s in Mexico uh, and what that was like. And as for me, like as a white suburban kid from the suburbs, like, you know, watching this kind of thing with my own white privilege, it's like I watch mm. something like this and it's like this whole other world that I don't really understand. And I I feel like there are so many amazing moments in this movie that could have been so much more interesting. And I felt like it was just super boring. Like, I don't need to see Yalitza doing the dishes. I believe you. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, it was very much uh, working into like, let's make sure we show lots of slice of life, but also show how this story is taking place place against a backdrop of civil unrest in Mexico, right? Yeah. So I get it. They were trying to juxtapose the calmness Mm -hmm. uh, next to what's happening, like perhaps right outside their door. Mm -hmm. Um, Creating that tension. Yeah. uh, Was it always uh, effective? I think... I think if you were to watch it in a theater in a whole group with a group of a whole bunch of people and have a collective experience, I think that's probably a different feeling with this mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. than if you were to say to watch it on Netflix, which this was uh, one of the first Netflix produced movies available on Netflix mm-hmm. as well as in theaters. But you could just watch it at home at a time, you know, when usually you would go and see it first in a theater and then it would get released to a streaming service. So that is a really great jumping off point. Um, So this was the first streaming film that was ever nominated for Best Picture and Mm. Best Director at the Oscars. Um, This movie was released through streaming because they... uh, especially like Alfonso Cuaron, he believed that, and he is very right, that really foreign films don't get the same sort of attention um, as English films, for example. And so he felt that putting on a Netflix was the best move because then it would get its potential widest audience um, possible. Um, The Oscar campaign budget for this film was $25 million, but the movie budget was 15. So they spent almost double the, what the movie budget was. Yeah. On that takes you back to like Miramax times when they would like spend so much money to promote for the award season. Right. But I guess, I mean, everyone sort of does that now. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, frankly I'm happy that Green Book won Best Picture. I know a lot of people don't care for that movie because there's just so many stereotypes and tropes. Mm -hmm. That's fair enough. But I love that movie, and I am glad that that movie won over Roma because I just, again, like, if this is just my opinion, if you disagree with me, like, super fantastic, gold star, I don't care, but, like, I just find that this is just such an oscar Beatty type of film where it's very critically acclaimed, but, like, an average movie watcher would just be bored to tears. Yeah, like, you ha- you feel like you have to like it. So, like, like that episode of Seinfeld where Elaine hated the English patient and everyone was, like, I mad at her. English patient, yes. <laughs> and everyone's like, how could you hate the English patient? Like, it feels sort of like that, yeah. uh, where it's, like... Uh, to say you don't like this film carries baggage all of a sudden, you know? Absolutely. Um, but, uh, I mean, I appreciate the story, but yeah, I've certainly found, uh, especially for uh, Yalitza to be nominated for Best uh, Actress, I, I was so, so interested because um, when you look at w- women characters who are, when you're uh, not, and they're characters that are then nominated for an award, usually there's, 
the character the characters making like choices bold choices what mm. i found so interesting about this is you were really watching yelitsa's character just reacting to everything happening around her right as opposed to making any choices on her own right which is interesting i think it has it makes a great statement on what her agency was and how much freedom right. she actually had as a indigenous servant in a, a mexican home by the way i do believe that she's the first indigenous person to get nominated for best actress i believe i didn't see that specifically but i do think that you are correct because she didn't actually speak the language that native language and they had to teach her for this film oh my god but she that is her heritage yeah 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 um because she was quote plucked from obscurity and um uh she was about to become a school teacher oh my god she had to eight she had to wait eight months for the results to find out if she did get the job and in the meantime she just decided oh yeah like i'll audition for this role and then she just got it. Oh my, if you could see the look on my face right now, viewers, of like, what? Like, I try, <laughs> I me mean, trying my whole life to make it in show business. And when I hear stories like that, I'm like, God oh, damn, why wasn't that me? You know? Oh, I, yeah. First film <laughs> Oscar nomination. Like, no kidding. Jealous, oh yeah. Um, this was the first foreign language film to win the Oscar for Best Director. And um, uh, each actor, I'm just going to get through these before we yeah, get sure. to Yulitsa. So each actor was given uh, contradictory directions from um, Alfonso so that it was uh, a very chaotic, real environment for the scene. And uh, this, of, yes, of course, I've already mentioned this before, is based on Alfonso's real life nanny. So Yulitsa is playing the nanny, Cleo. And um, uh, she, she her, the real life nanny, Cleo, was actually in one of his films called, and I'm going to butcher this pronunciation, I'm sorry to anybody that speaks Spanish, Y tu mama también, uh, and she brings Diego Luna a sandwich. Like the real life Cleo. Yeah. Oh, anyway. wow. Um, yes. yes. I, so I was just going to be like, I'm trying to remember, I was like, oh, I've seen that movie. When you said the title, I was like, I've seen that. Now I'm like, what What was that the, what happened in that one? Uh, hey, I'll look it up just like you folks after. <laughs> um, so specifically talking about Yelitsa's performance, so, mm. and again, I feel like this is going to elicit the gay gasp, but there is this thing that is so different that I'm not used to in, um, in a lot of foreign language films compared to American cinema or British cinema, where they give this, I mean, in the foreign language films, they yeah. give these very expressionless performances where they just kind of are very stone-faced. Their dialogue is very like, yes, no, sure. And then they have these big moments, like whenever she's giving birth, for example, yeah. or whenever um, the guy that like knocked her up comes into the furniture store, holds oh gosh, a gun to her yeah. head. You can see how scared she is. There are moments, but for the most part, I felt like her performance was very beige. And the thing is, is like, that's what the character is and yeah. that's what it called for. Um, and I understand that. But when you compare that to the other nominees, um, it's maybe not as impressive. Well, and that's what it comes with. That's, that's watching these films in particular. I was, I was really struck by how, what, what makes an Oscar winning performance, right. uh, or an Oscar nominated performance as well. And, uh, just watching the the different actors uh, doing their lines, they're like y y the writer has to be giving you lines that help you win that award, you mm -hmm. know. And I think when we see the other other talk about the other actress performances, the words uh, are so important in these other ones, and and obviously the bias of being an English speaker my, myself makes makes it that way. Right. Uh, but 
in watching uh, the character of Cleo and Yelitsa play play it, it's like she's not really given words to speak. So that actress is doing everything she can with her face because right. that's what the character and character requires. That's, that was the director's view of how this actor would behave. Like she could have made different choices and and you know they wouldn't have made it into the film. So mm-hmm. it really strikes me how you know it's like yeah oh we're just gonna film your face being quiet for mm-hmm. about. A minute, and then we'll go to the next scene. <laughs> More like two and a half hours, but anyway, I, I um, th- is this my favorite movie? No, but I mean, I I feel like I kind of understand like the aspects of people why they might enjoy it. It's just that this is perhaps not really a movie that I would just be like, you know what, I'm in the mood for, and um, this performance specifically, um. Was it one of my favorites? Like, no. But she does have really nice moments. I think for me, the Oscar moment is when she rescues the kids from the ocean. Mm. And then they all kind of huddle on the beach. And I also think that an, uh, the Oscar moment was in the hospital when she's getting I mean, birth. the birthday. But by that, that point, we're three quarters of the way through the film as well. Exactly. Like, it really, you didn't really get the action of the film. The climax of the film sort of pops up really quick mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, the, the street fighting that's happening while she's trying to get to the hospital and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but up until that, you're, it's really a lot of, it's a character development. It's a character piece watching, yeah. watching this show. So yeah. everything that comes with that, there are moments where you're just like, yeah. if, if you're not into watching just character development and you want plot points, this might not be the film for you. And, you know, I mean, in this particular film like of all the characters like Cleo is really the most compelling story Mm -hmm. if not just for the fact that she had to clean up all those dog turds oh my gosh yeah Yeah. there was a lot of that yeah they were they were comically large and coiled what did you think of the black and white of the film I am a black and white person my my Instagram is black and white everything for Ah. me has to be black and white I love black and white I just wonder how how watching uh, Yelitsa's character in general would have been different if we were watching it in color like I'm just Mm -hmm. just interested to know I, I do believe that that choice may have been made because it's easier to uh, portray the past. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, I was like, it takes place in 71, so why do we need the black and white? I, that was a big question for me, why that choice was made. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I actually don't think the black and white actually helped us in appreciating her performance as much, my personal opinion. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, I loved it. Loved it, loved it. Um, sure. I do think uh, that the storyline with the guy that, knocks her up and just kind of like pulls a conceive and leave <laughs> ditches her. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, ditches her at the movie theater. You're like, oof. Like that was an oof moment. Yeah, that's just that's really bad. Um I, I think uh whenever she tells Sophia that she's pregnant and how scared she is to do that. I think that's also a really nice moment. Sophia comforts her. She was also nominated for Best Supporting Actress. And I did I actually really enjoyed the the mother performance as well. Yes. It, that was quite something absolutely um i think that cleo's character she's very meek she doesn't overstep she has a quiet strength it's Mm -hmm. subtle but the whole point of it is that she's a survivor and Mm. that is i feel like where the oscar nomination comes in because she is based on a real person and this real person was like that and she does have that sort of quiet strength um but i think that for me I am so used to these like oh whoops hit the microphone these these big like Glenn Close performances or Merrill performances that this one's a, a much quieter type of performance yeah. that um, 
I guess maybe I need to like retrain my brain to be like, well, there's different ways of being nominated for an Oscar. Well, exactly. And I think that this is one of them. Yeah, I, I would agree. But I mean, but we have been very well trained by previous nominees that it's like where we can pinpoint the scene where we go, ah, yeah, there you go. That's why she's nominated yeah. or why he's nominated or whoever. Um, and I didn't quite find that moment in this film. I but agree. as a whole body of the whole film, she does do a fantastic job. Like I'm not I'm never doubting that she is this character for a moment, mm-hmm. you know, so because it felt yeah. so real. Like exactly. the whole thing felt so real. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess because it because it felt so real. Maybe I'm not as impressed by it because I just feel like I'm just watching life unfold. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess then that is a compliment to the direction as well as her performance. Um, But I just, I don't even care how angry people are going to be at this. I I just, I would never watch this movie again. Like it's not my type of film. I find it kind I found it quite boring. I've seen it twice now. I thought sometimes, oh, I'm going to revisit this subject matter. Maybe it'll be more interesting to me. Mm -hmm. Twasn't. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and I also feel. Uh, oh, I, I'm going to apologize now too for saying this, but it's like I do feel like the this this story has been told before from a different, you know, a different part of the world, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm not meaning it as as a as a critique or like, oh, you know, conflicts in the world are all the same or or things like that. But um, the idea of like someone who is destitute and their situation gets worse. I've, I've, I've seen that movie right. before and yeah. I did feel like I was watching a bit of that again in this. Uh, did it have something new to say? I felt like it was very particular to history and the situation and a very personal story that was being told. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure that all of the critical acclaim was probably very accurate and, and everything that he achieved as a director, Alfonso Cuaron, and he won his Oscar. So good for him. Um, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Yelitsa's performance before you move on? I think we've uh, gotten through this one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, You're like, now on to the rest of the Yeah, films. now <laughs> on to the rest of the nominees. So uh, I, I am so excited to talk about this one. Let us talk about Melissa McCarthy and Can You Ever Forgive Me? And I just have to put this one out there. I have a slight feeling that the movie is called Can You Ever Forgive Me? Because Melissa McCarthy is asking audiences around the world if they can ever forgive her for all of those awful movies that her husband, Belle Falcone, directed her in, such as Tammy or Life of the Party, that she actually won the Razzie for for Worst Actress, but in the same year won uh, the Redeemer Award for this film. So it kind of canceled it out. So. So this is one of Melissa McCarthy's best. I absolutely love this film. Can You Ever Forgive Me is the story of um, Lee Israel Mm -hmm. and how uh, she was the most cynical writer in the world. Who isn't uh, in the writing profession? And how she basically forged a lot of documents and letters and sold them and then eventually got caught by the FBI. And then she was on probation and her career was ruined. And then she wrote this story of that experience. And uh, it's very layered, very complicated, very interesting. Mm -hmm. It's another one of... uh, Melissa McCarthy's makeup-less performances that yes. we just love her in, <laughs> like in Bridesmaids, you know. Um, I am such a huge fan of Melissa McCarthy, and I really love whenever she dresses down mm-hmm. and uh, gives me that Frances McDormand moment, like with the lack of makeup and the hard, grizzled kind of... Yeah, yeah. I think that's where she really shines, and she really shines in this kind of role. Um, I will just say before we jump into it, just a few quick facts. So Bel- Ben Falcone 
her husband, uh, was actually originally attached before Melissa McCarthy, and he recommended her for the lead when another actor backed out. And um, I believe, oh, yes, that actor mm-hmm. was, Who was it? Julianne Moore. Oh, God. Yeah, and she was actually fired as the lead because the screenwriter, Nicole Holof-Sender, who was the screenwriter, uh, she thought that Moore's idea of Lee Israel was very different from what they wanted, so Mm. she eventually fired her whenever they changed the director, and it's the only time in Julianne Moore's entire career that she's ever been fired. Um, (gasps) Where... um, where uh, her and Richard E. Grant are always at a bar. That is at Julius's Bar in New York City. It mm. is the oldest gay bar. It's been open since 1864. And uh, this is Melissa McCarthy's first time portrayal of a real-life person. And I actually looked up Lee Israel, and if you can believe it or not, they actually glammed up Melissa McCarthy ah! for this role. <laughs> um, well, you get the idea of what kind of person uh, Lee Israel was. They did they did a good job in this film by just by the... For me, it was the the apartment being like, I've got dead flies yeah. in my apartment. And then they send someone to come and fumigate. Like, oh, I can't step in here. It smells so bad. I'm like, and, and you see that her apartment is, she's one of those people that doesn't quite look after her hygiene, it looks like. And I'm like, yeah. okay, so I now sort of have a great idea of what Lee is, oh, is yeah. like. Yeah, you know? I know that smell. I mean, it's whenever you get onto the subway and you get into one of the cars and then there is uh, a... Uh, uh, like uh, there's a homeless person that is carrying around a, like their whole life in a bunch of suitcases, which is very sad. Um, but it, there's that, it's that, it's that smell. It's like, I remember one time I was on the subway years ago. It was, it was really embarrassing for this guy, but I mean like it doesn't change how fucking bad it smelled. We got onto this fucking subway car and he gets on and like the whole car in the subway Evacuated. That's how bad it was. <laughs> yeah, and this I've, is what I've I'm been picturing. in that situation. Yeah, yeah. This is this is what I'm picturing for. Yeah, it, like the, the door opens and it just like hits you like a wave. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So like, I mean, and I think that it was such a a moment of knowing. Like you, you can just build so much from that moment of what this person must have been like. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so in the movie, she is a brilliant author, but everything else in her life, she is a fucking disaster. Oh my god. Um, in the most uh, fantastic way to watch. Yeah, <laughs> I know. She, yeah, she's she's an asshole. She's an alcoholic, cynical. So yeah, she's just a writer. And I think, I mean, you, <laughs> she's, you, she's cynical. She's a writer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, in our in our business, it's like this character feels very familiar to me. This person, I'm like, oh yeah, I know you. Like I know people like you, like yeah. working with writers and stuff like that. I mean. I wouldn't say that my pessimism and cynicism is quite at that level, but I do recognize some of her negativity and negative attitudes. I, I recognize that. Um, and anyway, I just, I love her in this movie. I love, um, it felt like a very real performance. And I really think that Melissa McCarthy was like the right choice for this film. I, I think so too. I mean, uh, barring the fact that, you know, we talk these days a lot about like, should a lesbian character be played by right. a straight person? Right. Um, I'm, I was like, I'm six and a half on it, you know, like, uh, I, I do like it when a queer person gets the role of playing a queer character. Uh, but if, 
hey, if that actor, that actor that you need to play a certain role or certain, like if that a queer person hasn't shown up that was going to fit that role, then of course you're going to just cast. Right. And when you when it comes down to Hollywood, of course you need to have names attached to things. Right. So, like, so, so I get it. I did not mind that Melissa McCarthy was mm-hmm. playing a lesbian character, but I that would be maybe one of my critiques. It's like I wasn't feeling the lesbian vibe. I was. She was. She seemed very sexless. Yeah. Which maybe that was what Lee Israel was like. Yeah. Because it looked like she was fucking up relationships, uh, right, left, and center. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, hmm, was. Melissa, for me, was Melissa McCarthy gay enough in the film, you know? <laughs> That's the question. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you mean. I love that you, did you say 60-40? Uh, six and a half. So it's like six of, uh, like half of a dozen. You know, yeah. it's like, so I'm, I'm right, cut right down the middle yeah. about it. Yeah. I'm kind of like 60-40, 70-30 about it, where like, <laughs> I'm mostly like, well, I think that until it gets better, I think that we need to have like LGBTQ people, because for the love of God, like, where would you find a gay actor? It's like. Oh my God, we don't exist. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> they're just, yeah, ton tons of tons of queens in the acting field um but i mean i don't know i felt like i really bought her uh gayness and whenever she was on the date and she felt very uncomfortable whenever um that girl from the bookshop yeah and then uh, i i interpreted that as like she melissa mccarthy doesn't love herself so she can't love somebody else, as RuPaul says. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the only th- only thing that she truly loved was her cat in, yes. in this film. And of course, when we see that the scene where she has to deal with an unfortunate incident with her cat. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, you really see the emotions come out then. Yes. And, you know, and it's worth it's worth noting that, you know, perhaps, you know, especially at the this time this movie takes place in around 92, you know, there weren't really terms like asexual or demisexual or whatever, you know, right. of all the different sexuals that we have now. Right. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's more of what she was. But, you know, uh, so so now we're looking for an asexual lesbian to play this role. Yeah. Uh, so I can see how it's like, well, let's just find someone who can act. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so interesting. I mean, um Oh, that's funny. One of the first points that I wrote was, I feel like I know what her apartment smells like because uh, I've been to comedians' homes. Oh, fair. Uh, yeah. Oh my gosh. Now I'm, <laughs> I, like, I, I, I'm just having visualizations of of straight men apartments in general right now, and I'm just like, ah, don't be a bachelor if you're a straight man. <laughs> Sorry, never mind. One uh, of my girlfriends told me that whenever she first met her now fiance. Uh, when she went to his apartment, it was like a bachelor apartment, and she needed to clean. Uh, do the dishes and she needed to dry off a pot and a pan. And then um, when she went to be like, hey, like, where's your towel? And he was like, oh, uh, it's oh it's on the, <laughs> the oven. And the one that was drying on the oven was the same one that he just used in the bathroom. <gasps> like, as, like, getting out of the shower. And then he just put it on the oven and she was like... Ugh. And he also uses... Oh, you're not even a, talking hand towel? You're like, no. he dried himself after the shower? Yes, and then put it on the oven and then And used, she is engaged to yes, this. Yes, I know. She, I know, but just disgusting. Uh, but she'll never listen to this, so it's fine. Um, <laughs> I think a really, really great moment is whenever she confronts Marjorie Jane Curtin um, that she needs, like, an advance. And then she Marjorie is like, nobody wants to see, like, a biography on whoever it was. And yeah. she's like, because no one cares. And then she's like, nobody's going to pay money for this. And you see the desperation in her character. And you see the desperation in how she, like, needs this. And how she, um, you know, Melissa McCarthy's character, Lee Israel, has, like, really given up on believing in herself and also her career as well and her skills as a writer. And the whole journey of the film, it's so interesting to see her realize 
that she does have talent and she does have worth, but she had to go through a really illegal (laughs) fucked up place to get there. And I think that that is so interesting because she's like an anti-hero. Yeah. And have we mentioned like, so what what she ends up doing is she starts forging letters from the past from famous writers Mm -hmm. and passing them off as real and selling them for cash. And that's how she's making money to like pay her rent now that she can't get that advance. Exactly. Um, And... I will say there is you watch her journey that you start to see the glee and the joy in creating these like especially when she gets to the point where she's creating the the Dorothy Parker letters Mm -hmm. she's you can tell she's enjoying herself as a writer yeah Um, and that's a great thing and a a great example of where you're really you're losing Melissa McCarthy and you're getting the character because I I will say with a star as big as Melissa McCarthy it's very and so often Melissa McCarthy is just playing melissa mccarthy in a movie right, right true um it, it, it's it's why people want her for the movie half the time right right uh and this is an example where she transcends that and she's not just being melissa mccarthy as she really is being the character and i was uh, there was moments where i was like no i feel like i'm watching melissa mccarthy mm-hmm. but then it's like no i'm watching this interpretation of a character which was really great to see because i my expectation my expectations are actually quite low for <laughs> melissa in this uh because I've seen some of those other movies. Because you, well, you can thank her husband for that. I mean, I yeah. get it. It's like it's your husband, and you want to support him in his career and stuff like that. But it's like, honey, he's like kind of making you look a little bad. Yeah, I, I mean, for every spy, there's yeah. Tammy. There's yeah, like uh, Life at the Party. There was The Boss. Um, there oh was God. that movie with uh, um, Octavia Spencer where the they were recent like, one, the superhero one. Yeah, another that like, one was awful. I and I I'll wa- I'll watch it like I'll give it a chance because I love a comedy and I love I because sometimes you find a gem like Spy or like Bridesmaids. Well, and Octavia Spencer was in it too, you know. So you're exactly. like exactly. But I don't know. I don't trust. I honestly, I have to say, I don't necessarily trust Melissa McCarthy uh, in a yeah. movie. I also saw The Sparrow recently. That was oh. her more recent one where it's her being serious and it's about yeah. loss of a a miscarriage of a baby and the, and the fallout and dealing with that. Right. And I gotta say, I was just watching a Melissa McCarthy movie in that particular instance. Yeah, uh, that's not how I felt about her interpretation of this character, which is great. I never watched the show, but my girlfriend did that. I used to live with, and I used to randomly pop in and watch it with her. And I like secretly like loved watching it with her, but I was never invested. But was Gilmore Girls, and she oh, was in yeah. Gilmore Girls. And then you oh think God. about her then, and then you think about her in movies now, where she's so crass, and you're like, whoa, like. Well, I remember she was like, she was Mike and Molly. Remember Mike oh, and Molly? Right. Oh my God. I'm I'm sure a lot of. Like, I'm sure she would be happy if people didn't remember Mike and Molly, but yeah, I uh, forgot that's really how she came to fame was Mike and Molly and then Bridesmaids. And then, then it was like, boom. Yeah. And then she was a full-fledged movie star. For and the then she was a life. full, yeah. Um, Ugh, once again, why not me? I, it's funny. I, cause you <laughs> right. And, uh, or Yalitza's first movie role and then an Oscar nomination and she's world famous. I think I'm more like Glenn Close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Always so close, but no, no cigar. Um, I think that's interesting, though, that you didn't buy her as a gay person. I actually think uh, one of the notes that I wrote here, as I said, that I really bought her as a lesbian. Ah. And um, I just think that it's really sad that she can't love anybody else. And um, the date that she was on was uh, very believable to me because the way that she says, like, uh, whenever the girl starts being intimate with her and, and, and showing that she's interested, and then Melissa McCarthy responds with like, oh, yeah, I could always use a drinking buddy, and then just kind of shuts down the moment. Yeah. And it's just kind of awkward, but it's also like clearly that's who the character is, and it's just, 
it felt maybe again again maybe because like I'm such a like negative cynical person sometimes that like I recognize a lot of that in myself because like you know I'm I'm like I've been in therapy for like a lot of things I have no problem talking about this I'm very open about this stuff but yeah like I mean I had a lot of self-loathing like we all do as gay people or mm-hmm. or at least if you're born before 2000 and um you know uh, which is so great true. by the way for the for the new gays but like you know for the for just the, remember we have trauma yeah exactly <laughs> yes that is our fragrance ah um you know and so for me because when did this take place the early 90s 19- it's supposed to be around 92 yeah something something like that yeah. and and so I, I feel like i understood her pain and i understood the way that she approached things and just maybe because she was a writer it all just felt so familiar to me and yeah that's right i, I and one th- one thing that we haven't mentioned is the relationship that was portrayed uh, between Lee and her friend Jack, who is basically her partner in crime. Oh yes, I gotta say the 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 relationship between those two characters was really well fleshed out. Like that was probably Amazing. one of the most enjoyable things was watching yes. their back and forth, mm-hmm. and that's that's an example where the writing was really um, aiding the actors in, you know, when you're given great words to say and, and amazing witticisms to, to spout back at each other in a scene that always makes for, you know, a more enjoyable watch. Well, at the end, whenever you find out that Richard E. Grant, the, the friend and confidant there, uh, yeah, who plays Jack. Yeah. yeah well, you, you find out that in the end, you know, he has HIV and mm-hmm. then she, um, agrees that she's a terrible person with him. And then, uh, she asks to write a book about him girl i was crying because it was it was really touching really touching and then when he's getting up to leave and she's laughing and she's like i really because he has a cane she's like i really wanted to trip you and she's laughing (laughs) that actually was a real moment um but what happened was she was in an emergency room at a hospital for some reason she saw him like the real life um, oh what was his name sorry james uh jack jack sorry uh she saw jack and uh she didn't speak to him but he had a cane and he had clearly uh, had HIV. Yeah. And she thought, it wouldn't it be so funny if I tripped him? <laughs> so that was like the actual thing. But in the script, I thought that was like I was like made it a cry moment. laughing. Yeah. yeah, I was like cry laughing. Um, and I just love that in this movie, the only thing that is really important to her is just her writing and her identity as a writer. And everything else is just trash and just <laughs> disgusting and just awful. But like... She's so talented, and that's the most important thing to her. And I bought that. And how how many like I know for us as uh, as artists, we know people like that who are an amazing artist, but they're everything else around them is in ruins, and they don't like yes. they, they just cannot handle life. Yes. But there's this one thing that they do so amazingly well. It's yeah. like you know that kind of like thing of like genius, but everything else is just absolutely shite. Um, I also think that her monologue to the judge at the end when she's like, I don't think she's like, I don't regret what I did because it like basically fixed me. It solved all of my problems and my (laughs) self-worth in a fucked up way. But, and I, I think again, like the anti-hero narrative, really beautiful moment, really beautifully acted. Um, I also think uh, whenever she finds out that Richard E. Grant is selling the things for her and then he starts stealing from her um, the stress of the moment uh, because she owes the five thousand dollars to Belfan. Bel- oh yeah, she's being blackmailed. Basically. Yeah, exactly. Like there was just, I just, I just love this performance. Love this movie. You would definitely watch it again if you haven't seen it. I highly recommend it, especially if you are a writer or like artist adjacent. It yeah. feels very familiar. 
And uh, I think this is one of Melissa McCarthy's best, if not her best. Yeah, and this is the kind of thing, if you're not a Melissa McCarthy fan, because there, there is a line, there are some people like, oh, I just can't stand it. Like, this could be that one movie where you're like, oh, I hate her, except for this movie, because yeah. it's just so different. And yeah, really, I, my expectations were low, and she exceeded them by far, and definitely deserved the nomination. Of course. If not the win, but you know, like, it's, yeah, yeah she did a great job. She did a great job. Do you have anything else that you would like to add to her performance before we move on? No. <laughs> Except uh, just like like drop some of that pixie dust on me so I can get like totally. that that project that that puts me in the stratosphere. That's my theme so far. I love it. And then we're gonna get to Glenn Close. I'll be like, oh, I sympathize not with the character <laughs> but with the actress. You know? Hey, best actress listeners, enjoying the show? Want to hear more? Access our entire catalog of best actress episodes from the very beginning ad-free by subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bestactress. By subscribing, you will also gain access to new episodes one day earlier than their normal release day. Best Actress Podcast will always have 10 free episodes available, but with the release of a new episode, the oldest will go to Patreon where you can access it anytime with your subscription. Come on, ladies, it's a Fritz Bernays. It's no question. Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe. Okay, so let's talk about, and this one I'm really excited to talk about, let's talk about Lady Gaga in A Star is Born. This is the fourth remake of the film, and of course the most famous one is with Judy Garland. Um, And uh, we we did that episode, that was the year that Grace Kelly won, and uh, I I mean, Judy Garland should have won. She didn't win because of politics. Of course. Um, That comes into play so much. Of course. Um, So every single time that I think of the movie A Star is Born, I actually don't think of the song Shallow. I always think about that pop song that Allie has where it's like, heal me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I th- I loved <laughs> like when that movie came out. That was my song, not shallow. It was the Heal Me song. Yeah. And I think the song. I don't know if you're a Gaga fan, but there's a song called The Cure. I oh be- yeah, I know I, that song. That I think was actually supposed to be yeah, in the film because it was just released as a single randomly, right? And for it does Coachella. Feel- yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh, that's a good point because she was. I believe she was um, replacing Beyonce that year for Coachella. Which is interesting because she replaced Beyonce for this film. Because originally it was... Um, get out of town. I mean, Beyonce could have done... I mean, Beyonce's actually a pretty decent actress as well. So I, that would have been interesting. Um, I think she's okay. Yeah. I, what's undeniable is, is when you see uh, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper together, There's you're like, oh, no one else could play these two roles. They were The chemistry between these two was off the charts. I agree with you. And um, it's so interesting because it's such a random pairing. Yeah. And uh, I mean, A Star is Born, geez, do I even really need to explain what this is about? You know, it's basically this extremely talented unknown gets plucked by a very well-known famous yeah. star. And then uh, he establishes her career, becomes jealous, and ultimately... Uh, the famous male character um, commits suicide in some form or another. In definitely uh, creates the conditions for their own demise. Yes, exactly. <laughs> in the Judy Garland version, he like walks into the ocean, 
Um, you know, like you do. That's yeah, very gay. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. I'm just going to walk into the ocean. <laughs> I've never seen the Barbara Streisand version. I know oh, that yeah, with Chris, Chris. Is that the one with Chris Christopherson? That's a great question. I, I don't, don't remember. I, I shouldn't. As a gay man, we should both know this. <laughs> Babs was never one of my icons. That's okay. Yeah. She was never one of my. I, pre- I prefer Cher. I, oh, well, me too. I mean, I've seen, oh, well, we, I've seen Cher in concert five times. Uh, <laughs> so, but, you know, I, but for me, Bar. Oh, we don't need to talk. This is not about Barbara Streisand. We can have a whole other podcast about that. No, <laughs> oh, have you done Funny Girl yet as one of the things? No, that is the one with uh, The Lion in Winter where Catherine Hepburn and she tied. Um, I've always wanted to do that year, but I got to, because there's. Um, well, just, just, hey, look me up. Okay, well, I will say that um, the big Oscar moments was the Judy Garland upset, the Marissa yeah. Tomei win in 1993 for My Cousin Vinny. Everyone was like, what the fuck? I did that episode with Ariane Tong, and we actually both agreed that Marissa Tomei should have won. Yeah. Um, I think the reason why people were like, what the fuck? Is because it's Marissa Tomei. Exactly. It's like, you guys didn't even see the movie Z, that were nominated. Yeah. Um, what was another Oscar upset? Uh, well, anyway. I, I like to pick the Oscar. I like to space them out. Oh, oh okay. the All About Eve episode with um, uh, the year that a Ju- uh, uh, gl- oh my god it, it bah so it was uh, an actress you know it was <laughs> Judy Holiday won uh, for uh, over. Um, all about Eve and Gloria Swanson in Sunset Boulevard, um, Betty Davis and all that. And that oh, was the yeah. big controversy. Of course. So it's like, I like to pick those episodes. And I think that the Barbara Streisand episode um, was yeah, one of those years. And so, okay, I'll keep you in mind. Look me that. up. Yeah. Look me up. But talking about um, Lady Gaga and A Star is Born specifically. So listen, L- Lady Gaga playing a pop star is not a stretch. Okay. But I think that she really does a lot with it and she does make it interesting. However, it is very clear to me that Bradley Cooper is acting circles around her and is really carrying this film. I think that Lady Gaga has an incredibly important part to play in this narrative. Mm -hmm. But I think that without Bradley Cooper's brilliant performance, I don't really think that Lady Gaga's performance is really that interesting i think he brought it out of her because if you watch something like house of gucci it's like she can play these kind of crazy people but mm-hmm. it's never really as interesting unless her partner is like gonna really bring it out of her and i feel like her incredible moments was because of bradley cooper and his experience just like how his singing moments was uh, brought out by willie nelson's nephew who like taught him how to play the guitar and perform like a professional and, and lower so- his voice. Like he ha- had to go through a whole bunch of vocal training to make his voice that low as well. Cause his voice was not naturally that low. Interesting. He like, he worked his voice. Like there's, there's no question that this was Bradley Cooper's artistic baby. Right. You know, like it was his brain, brain child to bring this story to light. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and so very interesting to hear that Beyonce was in the running. Cause I honestly couldn't see, um, him picking someone other than Lady Gaga. I mean, she Im- she embodies the role because she's lived the role mm-hmm. in in some ways. Maybe not being discovered in quite oh, in the many same ways. Way. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but I, you know what? I have to like. Yes, this is an example of like. There's a whole bunch of things around this actor that's helping them to achieve and do this great role. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I absolutely think she deserves a nomination. And for me, maybe I'm caught up in 
the Hollywood of this movie because out of the five nominees, this feels the most Hollywood. Yes. You know what I mean? Like this is a Hollywood yeah. movie, like big sets, yep. big scenes, big budget. Um, you know, a, a freaking scene in a stadium with filled with people. You know, and mm-hmm. I did read that. You know, that was a special thing where like, hey, we're gonna bring out these actors to do this thing. Like, you know, it was done at a. It was hooking on to some other concert. Right. Um, what I have to say about that though is like acting making an intimate scene when all of this stuff is going on around you. Like the, the scene where they sing shallow. And I, I will tell you, I am a sucker for when oh, an it. actress is also a good singer. And then you get to see the singing as well. And the acting that happens in the singing. Right. I'm a sucker for that. Of um, course. Yeah. I know you're not, <laughs> uh, but like just for me, just even like that, when the song shallow is being played and there's all this crowd, the intimacy in Lady Gaga's acting and what you see in her in these scenes where there's whole a whole bunch of things going on and that she can still create this incredibly intimate moment for herself. Mm. I it deserves I I personally I think it deserves a little bit more credit than you're given. Okay. Um cuz yeah, and I think she matches Bradley Cooper 100%. Yes, she's it's not that's hard cuz she's playing a pop star. I I have to admit that. <laughs> she's playing a version of herself and I do th- always find it funny when you in that movie when you see the big billboard that says Allie yeah. but it's spelled A-L-L-Y and I'm just I'm always like oh Lady Gaga is such a great ally <laughs> that's all I can think well also uh, so that was a real billboard that they actually did put up as part of the Oscar campaign um, oh yeah yeah and okay I'm just gonna get through some really quick facts before yeah, we move on do. to the Sorry, performance I, I, yeah, no I that's got, okay I got into it right away no I I, I love it Um, we'll, go, we'll jump right back into it but Bradley Cooper in the movie had a spray tan and in endured menthol around his eyes to look bloodshot and high all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Willem and Shangela were the two drag queens from Drag Race that were predominantly featured in this film. Yes. Willem's lines were completely improv and said that uh, all of the lines that were scripted, none of them went in, um, which I think that's interesting. I actually really like Willem, but you don't really see her that often anymore because of all the politics of Drag Race. And no she's kidding. Like, well, and she's a vocal queen about what she th- it, how she feels about what's not right about the yeah, series, right? Her and her and Pearl. Um, Streisand actually showed up to the set um, because in 1976 she was also in A Star is Born for the third remake Um, I'm just going to show up and intimidate everyone I thought so too (laughs) I was like that's a power move for sure bold flex there Barb Um, Judy Garland and Lady Gaga were the same age when they filmed uh, A Star is Born kind of thought that was kind of interesting um shallow is the second most award-winning song in history with 24 and uh the third most awarded song ever is michael jackson's thriller and the first should we keep talking about her is beyonce's formation with 27 award wins oh i did not know that yeah i I was honestly expecting to hear celine dion titanic or something like that oh yeah right like i was ready for you to be like and it's my girl celine um the original casting was with beyonce and the original director was clint eastwood oh my god i know all right uh this was bradley cooper's directorial debut i think he was expecting a nomination and he was nominated for a bafta and a director's guild and a golden globe but not the oscar uh maybe it's a little bit of a uh, ben affleck moment for argo i don't know also when you direct a, a movie with music in it you are taking a risk any anytime when you're like it's something that feels like oh this is sort of a musical even though it's not yeah uh it's a movie with music in it is what i would say and singing in it as opposed to being a musical these folks yeah. aren't pausing 
the action of the story to then be like, let me tell you my feelings through song. Yes, right. The songs are happening as a result of, you know, oh, you're going on the SNL tonight. Yes. And then you see the song, you know, like that to me yeah. is a, is different. So yeah. uh, would you would you call this, is this still fitting in the musical category for you then? No, no. I actually, so like, yeah, as you know, and as people on this podcast, if you do listen, you know, I, I can't stand musicals. <laughs> I really, I really don't enjoy them. Uh, this didn't feel like a musical to me because it okay. felt like a pop song. Like it was like the Eurovision of the Academy Awards where it's like these really fun pop songs and I'm also being entertained at the same time, but it's not necessarily like uh, dialogue that's like revealing things about the movie or the character. And if it is, it's like done in sort of a more interesting um digestible way rather than being like i am here and i am very blah 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 like i have feelings and i need to sing about them. yes exactly <laughs> and i i love i loved that um side note this has nothing to do with the star is born but i just have to say talking about the academy awards this year for 2022 fucking jennifer hudson should have been nominated for the movie aretha that is a movie that was like a let's say a musical and like holy shit the singing and the acting is so good and the performances were so i i was freshly high when i was watching it and girl you it must have been i hated it it's like i picture you know like straight guys that get high and like listen to like pink floyd it's like for yeah. me it was a, it was respect i i really thought she should have been nominated but anyway. well you know i agree with the idea of being nominated i did not enjoy the that film but i digress really? oh, yeah i don't I know i didn't it. i just thought i felt like you weren't allowed to see enough of uh, Aretha's foibles because it was so mm. Aretha san- an Aretha sanctioned film, even though of course she has passed away. Right. Uh, I would have liked to have seen a little like the stories you hear about. You can read and look up on Google and find out about uh, Aretha and how eccentric of a person she was. Right. I didn't find any of that in the movie. That's obviously not for this podcast, but I have a feeling we're going to have a chat after the right. recording oh, button I stops. It. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you can join us for the after party. Yeah. Um, so one final point. Uh, so Mark Ronson, who helped write uh, Shallow with Gaga and also one. Oh, I didn't realize Mark Ronson had his mm-hmm. fingers all over that. I should have known that watching the Academy Awards. They would have said his name. Well, because he was the co-producer of that album that she had called Joanne. Oh, that yes. had the song uh, the I'm not doing pop music right perfect now perfect illusion oh, yeah. I loved that song even though it was really weird um, this has nothing to do with the movie I just thought this was very interesting fact Mark Ronson discovered Amy Winehouse yes I did not know that yeah oh there's lots of great stories about them he, he has a great story about how uh, how the song Rehab came to be because she was just they were apparently in a car she started singing and he was just like what is that song yeah I've heard that before she's like no you haven't That's my, I'm writing it right now and he's like well, that's becoming a song. Oh, <laughs> and that's how rehabs. Uh, that's incredible. So started. iconic. Yeah. Okay. So I mean, he works with iconic people. Of like course. A... Yeah, no, of course. Um, so talking about Lady Gaga's performance specifically, I do remember the first time that I watched this movie in theaters, I was very nervous um, going into it almost like the same sort of energy with Kristen Stewart and Spencer where I'm very nervous. Like, Oh God, I hope she does. Well, exactly. Like you're rooting for her. Like we're, we're so gay. We saw, <laughs> we saw Charlie's angels. I really hope she does better. Yeah. Than Spencer. Yeah. You know, it's like... And, um, I was delightfully surprised. Yeah. Uh, lady. I mean, I, I knew it was going to be good. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like you I just... Was just like, I was like, I got the, I saw the trailer. I'm like, I'm going to enjoy this you're, movie. Yeah. And I think the only, I think that overall, I think her performance was amazing and really great and everything that I wanted it to be, except for when she first meets him and she's so territorially protective of him where like, a person at the grocery store takes a photo of him and she's like, that is not okay. It's like, <laughs> you met two hours ago, girl. Yes. 
take it down. Or when she punches that guy at the cop bar. Yes. And she's like, you want to fucking get the fuck? And you're like, girl, like, you, you're at a 12. And you need to bring it down because you're a nobody still. It's been like five minutes since you've known him. Like, you need to relax. At the same time, we've met women like this who are, I'm like, <laughs> I just met you tonight, but I'm willing to die for you. <laughs> like, but then again, it's like, you yeah, know, those, are, those are girlfriends. Exactly. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I don't So for me, if if you're like, hey, what's that moment where you go, oh, there's there's a bit of, I mean, anytime she sings, it's it, this is the problem with songs with music is like, the acting could be okay, but because the singing is amazing and they did such, like they come alive when they sing, mm -hmm. you see, oh, well, maybe that's why they got nominated. Uh, I don't think that's the case in this one. I really think she gives a nice tour de force performance yeah. on this. No, I, I do agree with you. And I think that um, uh, another thing that I've, I've found very frustrating as well, and I just, I didn't buy it was whenever... She's like, I'm trying to be a singer. And then Bradley Cooper, big famous country star, is like, I have a gig for you with thousands of people in a huge stadium. I can't. And she's like, I can't. And you're like, you can't or you won't or you don't want to. And then he sends the driver. Bradley Cooper sends the driver. And then he's like, hi, I'm here to take you to the gig. And she's like, no, I need to go take out trash downtown. <laughs> and you're like, like, enjoy the ride, girl. Yeah, like as an Just artist looking at another artist, it's like, no, bitch, like you quit that job. You yeah. go and do that thousand person, thousands of people gig. Like, and also like that a job like that you will be able to find again you know like of course. I, I worked at a certain at a certain establishment for years and years I'll tell you right now someone's saying hey this is just you don't know what's going to happen you're going to if do you want to perform in front of 10,000 people tonight who are going to scream and all want to know who you are after yeah. would you be or would you like to do that shift selling fragrances yeah right. I'm, like, I'm going to the concert yeah. bye bitches <laughs> well yeah who wouldn't um i think that uh of course, you know, her performing as a pop star, you know, maybe I was expecting going into it. I was expecting like a Lady Gaga pop star moment. And I, I felt like I did get Allie. I felt like yeah, I did yeah. get her a different kind of pop star. It wasn't quite Lady Gaga. That's so true. Because, yeah. I mean, she doesn't have the country roots. I mean, she started showing them on Joanne, the right. album, I guess. But yeah. maybe that was a result of doing this film, though, too. Sure. Right? And I feel like Lady Gaga... This must have been really fun for her because she used to previously be a writer for like the Pussycat Dolls and for Britney Spears and for different pop groups like yeah. back in the um, mid 2000s. And so I feel like she understands what it's like for branding of pop stars and how the pop stars come um, across what kind of music this pop star would would sound like, what their hooks would be yeah. in their chorus. So for her, this was probably like a really fun project. Like, ooh, I get to invent a pop yeah. star. And I think she did a really good job with that. Well, and it's good to mention as well, and must be mentioned, I think, that this really is the thing that started, you know, Gaga 2.0. Right. You know, because the, the previous two albums hadn't, were like... Art pop and Yeah, art pop. Like, as, as much as I enjoyed them, they weren't, you know, they weren't the huge successes that really, yeah. you know, um, them, yeah. Born This Way or the, the you fame, know... The Fame Monster. The Fame Monster. I mean, the EP, really, with with Bad Romance was a pinnacle, right? Yes, right. Um. And then, like, but this is sort of Gaga 2.0 because the Super Bowl happened around that time, too. Mm -hmm. She has this. And, you know, and then, of course, uh, you know, a year later, we, we have Rain On Me, which really reestablished her as a pop star that maybe a younger generation than us yes. are now like, 
onto her right. in a way that they may, might not have been before. But she was definitely in a way, I was like, I thought she was a star in decline for a while. Because she was. Yeah. yeah. And and this was like, boom. She, oh, by the way, I can act too. Right. You know? And Which I, she proved in Ryan Murphy's show. Um, uh, American Horror Story Hotel. Yes. Um, and also in I mean, I didn't Roanoke. like that, but... Yeah, I didn't like that. But I liked her in Roanoke, um, but I... Th- I always think about when she won the Golden Globe for um, American Horror Story and she puts her hand on Leonardo DiCaprio's uh, chair, on the back of his chair when she's walking up and he makes this face like, Ugh. <laughs> that meme. <laughs> yeah, I always, I, always, I always think about that for some reason. I mean, clearly she has range. Clearly she can act. And I think that this was the perfect st- st- Star 2.0 making vehicle yeah. because you're right. Her her career absolutely was in decline. I was still a huge fan of her music, but I understood why people weren't really into it because it was the same sound from like the mid 2000s, early 2010s. And people didn't respond to Joanne either in the way where she's like, "I'm doing this like country tour. I'm going to like small dive bars to exactly. do my concerts." <laughs> yes. it's like, is that because you couldn't sell the you know? Like, yeah, right. I mean, I'm sure she could have, but it was yeah. a choice. She just slapped like a Bud Light like <laughs> lamp on. Onto the wall, and she was like, "Hit it!" Yeah, and I got a pink cowboy hat. Too. Yeah, a pink cowboy hat. Yes, exactly. Um, I do think that uh, th- she was very chill about a lot of things. Like whenever he takes a full-on donut and just puts it in her face and like smears it down, that was fun. And she's like, oh, "Lol!" I would be like, "Get the fuck out of my wall!" My makeup is done. <laughs> yeah, I I think. For me, I mean, I just, I really think that she did an amazing job. But for me, the, 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 the star in this movie for me is, is Bradley Cooper. I think the acting is Bradley Cooper. And I think because I have something to compare it to, um, I think Lady Gaga did an amazing job. I don't necessarily think that this is like her greatest acting performance, um, you know, in the history of the Academy Awards or something like that. But I do think that the Oscar nomination is totally deserved. I Mm. think that it's really interesting seeing her be more of like a mainstream pop star type of character. Of course, playing a pop star is not really a stretch to me because she actually is. Um, uh, I, I found her more fun and interesting in House of Gucci, but I do also really love her in this movie. And I think that, um, she did a lot of really great things. I think the scene where, um, uh, my favorite scene, or one of my favorite scenes, is when she visits him in rehab and she talks about how much she loves him and how she wants him to come home and how he apologizes for everything that he did, pissing himself at the Grammys. I have to fast forward through that scene because it's so cringe. It's like, oh my God. It's very triggering me as a newly sober person watching a drunk person on stage. Uh, and then I think for me, the best moment is in the end when uh, she's ha- she's trying to have her Whitney, I will always love you in the bodyguard moment where oh, she's yes. singing, I will always love again. I will never love again or whatever that song is called. And then they switch to him writing the song on the piano and they're just like at their home in the, in the living room or wherever on the piano. Um, that the intimacy and like the tenderness of that moment is like, it's like giving me chills. Like it's a very real, mm-hmm. very beautiful, very sad, very emotional moment. And that was probably one of my favorite moments. Overall, great performance. Yeah. And uh, I totally get why she was nominated for an Oscar. I, I, you know, and I feel those chills you're talking about. Because I will say this, if if I'm looking at all of the performances that we're talking about, I'm like, oh, did I did I get chills on the other 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 ones? And I'm like, no, oh, no. But then again, mm. I'm a sucker for music. So music can really is, is a 
is an easier way to feel chills than yeah. watching an acting performance. So who knows? I don't know how, am I, have I drank the Kool-Aid on Lady Gaga? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> um, I think that Bradley Cooper peeing at the Grammys, uh, winning when she won uh, Best New Artist, um, I think that that's, uh, would, that would trump the Kanye Taylor Swift moment at the VMAs that like, I'm gonna let you finish. Yeah. That I feel like would be a historic moment in music. That's history. like a Janet Jackson Super Bowl type. Yeah, moment, exactly, you know? yeah. That would be super iconic. Um, oh, <laughs> and the scene where uh, he calls her, you're fucking ugly. Oh, I'd see that. Okay. For me, that scene is my scene. Yes. In that because I, I'm like, did, What's the scene written? Because I feel like it is just pure, their characters being like, say what you think you would say. And they go at each other. Right? It's improv. That line was improv. Was it? Yeah. yeah. And, and it, she was like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, you're the, you're her, what did you? Get out, you know? Mm -hmm. And what I didn't realize is, I, it was the second time watching. It's like, you get a very quick full frontal of Lady Gaga in that scene. Yeah. I did not know. Yeah, she's got a rockin', bangin' yoga bod. Um, yeah, good for her. And at, listen, I myself am also a big nose girl. I appreciated all of the big nose compliments ah, yeah. that Bradley Cooper was slinging out. Also, Dave Chappelle, fantastic actor. I don't think that he gets enough credit for that. It's almost like when Richard Pryor was alive, like he was in Lady Sings the Blues, and he was an amazing actor as well in yeah, that yeah. Uh, with Diana Ross. And I think that Dave Chappelle, I think stand-up comedians make good, real people actors. Uh, not like theatrical actors, yeah. but like real, because it's like, that's how we perform is like, you speak in layman's terms. That's so funny. I, that whole, for me, that scene, I'm like, I feel like that, everything that Dave Chappelle did, I felt like that all belonged in a Fast and the Furious movie. <laughs> you know, like family, you know? That's so true. <laughs> I got dragged to Fast and the Furious 9, where oh, they like Lord. go into space. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I I uh, I watched it. For, yeah, and like obviously, uh, you know, it's a kind. Of, that was a kind of movie. It's like, oh, I'm on my phone. Oh, an action scene. You know, like <laughs> fair enough. I got dragged to the theater for that one, and uh, you're right. He, I could easily see him being like transplanted from A Star Is Born into that movie. Oh, but I felt like you know, like oh, it was Vin Diesel not available that day too. <laughs> right. You know, it's like I've got my my white tank top. Yeah, got my family yeah. with me, and yeah. we're gonna marry you today. Yeah, you know, that's so funny. Okay, well. Great job, Lady Gaga. Congratulations on winning an Oscar for Shallow. That was whenever Madonna had that photo at post-Oscar party, because she always has her annual party at the Oscar, like oh, post-Oscars, right. and she's like holding her. And I think that's like a world, it's like she's trying to say to the world, like, see, we're not mad at each other. We, we like each other. But it's really because it's like, well, Lady Gaga's star is actually shining way brighter than yours right now. Madonna will be photographed next to yeah anyone these days yeah. who's famous because she wants she wants like i don't know quick sidebar did you ever have you seen that uh bit of footage where she has drake on stage and then she kisses him, kisses him and he's like oh yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like oh that is not how she planned that it's like no like you're you're older than his mom yeah. doing that so it's like yeah he's gonna do that he knows how old you are no matter how many facelifts it was definitely um, yeah it was definitely like a, an assaulty moment yeah it felt like there needed to be a little bit more consent yeah but which is a funny thing to say about drake anyhow <laughs> let us talk okay uh just because just for time's sake let's let's move on so let's yes, talk about sorry. um no that's okay so let us talk about glenn always so close in the movie the wife now everybody knows that this was the famous year when uh olivia coleman won in the uh telecast glenn close makes that face where she's like really like are you fucking serious face 
and I think she would have been okay losing to almost anyone other than Olivia. Yes. No, and at this <laughs> point in her career and the whole Oscar narrative, you completely understand like why she was like that because uh, this would have been her seventh or eighth nomination. Oh, and it just, like, you know, I remember, it's like, it, this feels like it's Glenn's year. Yes. You know? Yes. And then it, it didn't happen and she made that face and I think that she deserved to make that face because um, I think that she truly was expecting to win. And Olivia Coleman did win the BAFTA um, so she also won the Golden Globe and then uh, Glenn Close also won the Golden Globe for drama. So I think that it was like, oh, like who is going to win this one, you know? And in my opinion, I think that it really, this particular year, uh, it really just comes down to personal taste. And I feel like talking about Glenn Close's performance in The Wife, uh, okay, so in The Wife, she basically, uh, I'm just going to do like a really quick, IMDB recap of it just because uh, I tend to um, give. Well, my- this one's pretty intricate too, like the the, the plot points of it, because uh, in the movie itself, you're actually going between two time periods, and the mm-hmm. character that uh, Glenn Close is playing, Joan, is played by two actresses. Yeah. You know, in two different time periods. Her, that's her real life daughter, the one that plays. Get out of town. Yeah. Why did I not know that from looking it up? Yeah, that's her real life daughter. I so- saw. Oh, wow. <laughs> I see it now. Um, so basically, uh, the movie The Wife, it's a wife questions her life choices as she travels to Stockholm to see her husband receive the Nobel Prize for Literature, but gasp, she was the one that was writing all of the stories all along, and then he was taking all the glory because at the time, in like the 50s or the 60s or whatever, you know, a, a woman author could never have a career like the men. I did not buy that for a second. There are so many famous female authors throughout history and the reasoning behind it, she said, she's like, well, I don't have the personality for it. It's like, you're a writer. What writer is known for their out of literature personality? Like no one. Like Yeah, I mean, if you are, you're, you're known as a personality then uh, as opposed to a writer. You know, like, I mean, there are writers that are, but I mean... I just book writers, it. though, but yeah, like specifically novelists. You're yeah. right; like they are happiest when they are alone with their writing yeah. uh, utensils. You know, I, but like whatever, I'll go along with it because it's a movie. I love this movie. I've seen it many, many times. I think that this is definitely Glenn Close's one of her best. Because wait for it, she's not playing a lunatic. She's not playing a dark, villainous, evil, crazy, eccentric, out-of-the-world, like, I'm going to kill myself if you don't love me type of character. Here's your boiled rabbit. Exactly. And (laughs) what my favorite, though, is throughout the movie, um, I I used as a barometer of where her emotions were at was how many bunnies would she boil? So, like, whenever whenever they were in Stockholm and she was like, I don't want you to thank me during your acceptance speech. And the first thing that he does is thank her during the acceptance acceptance speech i'm like i feel like she's gonna she she wants to boil three bunnies right now and they're they're his bunnies and she's like she's looking at him she's like i'm gonna boil the shit out of your fucking bunny it's like Uh, how many she sort of did yeah she kind (laughs) of she 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 kind of killed him and like it was like good i when he does die in the end after that big fight she's like i'm leaving you and every there's the big climax i didn't care that he died i'm like good like I hated his character. They did a good job of making him the villain, so to speak, of this. Like, without making him a villain, he was the villain of the yes. of the piece. And just his fecklessness of, you know, letting... Like, taking the credit for her work the way he did. Yeah. Uh, was, you know, wa- watching that. Because this really was where, when you're watching Glenn, you're watching the subtlety, subtlety of 
her facial expressions and you're like yes. you're watching and you're thinking about all the layers underneath while you're watching her because like what is she actually thinking you know <laughs> uh, and you're not thinking what is Glenn Close thinking you're thinking what is the character actually thinking which yeah. is always great yeah and she said that this movie had a personal relevance for her because um, her mother uh, Glenn Close's mother in her 80s told her that as a wife she felt like she never accomplished anything in her yeah. life um, so I, I know, I know that, that feeling from, from my mom as well. She was very hard on herself and like, you know, I, I'm, you know, that, that I, there's so many w- women from a certain generation have that feeling of, I was just a housewife, which is, which mm. is, uh, I mean, yeah, I think about my personal past and, you know, having memories of my mom and looking back, uh, as an adult, seeing that the sadness that's behind that, mm-hmm. um, about not being able to achieve something that maybe was a dream because of you know your gender Mm -hmm. uh is i feel that i uh i think that of course this is a product of its time Mm -hmm. and i do think that obviously the rules for women during this time um and this movie and its timing and about roles for women it was released at the right moment um, I think that Glenn Close had a solid chance at winning this Oscar. Oh, after watching it, I was like, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I understand the look. <laughs> and I think, no, but I think that for, for me, the reason why if she won, it would make sense is because, because if you compare it to her other body of work, it's so different from yeah, like really what is. she would normally do. And even though it's not this big, wow kind of performance i think that's what makes it wow is that it's not this like big ridiculous insane character and like i just watched dangerous uh liaisons like you know a couple weeks ago and then you know you watch uh uh, Fatal Attraction, or you watch like Cruella, or like whatever, or Cruella, or 101 Dalmatians. Mm. It, and then you just sort of see her in this, and then you're just kind of like, she has insane range. I just think that she was typecast for a long time, but she did nail all of those lunatics in such a good way. And I think that in this performance, she's kind of just playing a normal person, and she's doing an amazing job. And I think seeing that range in her, um, like if she would have won the Oscar, it would be like, yeah, like I get that. Yeah. Um, I think uh, also th- the last movie that I also saw her in before that was Albert Knobs, where she's playing. Oh yes, like she's. I, they don't say it's a trans male, but like uh, modern terms would probably call the person trans male, um, and it just kills me as a comedian, as a performer. Uh, like I love the glory. Watching her let her husband take the glory for her work is like the antithesis to my existence. No, yeah, me too. Oh, I mean, yeah, yeah. And I and so watching that pain, I understood the pain of the moment and like the pain of her brilliance not being recognized and celebrated. It's like, oh, well, um, hi. Like we're talking about like this. You were talking about how a stars born mirrors Lady Gaga's life. And I would say I was feeling some Glenn vibes about like. I'm sure she's tapping into all those times she sat in an awards room and yes. had, and watched someone else's name yeah. be said. Yeah. I was like, yeah, it's like watching watching Joan in this movie is like watching Glenn lose every time. You know, she's watching other people take what should have been hers. I wrote that exact same thing. I said this movie is like Glenn always watching somebody else walk away with the glory yeah. at the Oscars. <clears throat> That's really funny that we were her do. We both arrived at that at that. This this is just a perfect Oscar narrative for her. I'm kind of surprised she didn't win. You know what I mean? Um, or was it meant to be like? Uh, 
like what she's there's gonna be a there's gonna be a time like I mean uh gosh well she was in Hillbilly Elgby and she was nominated for that for a supporting role while also be nominating for a Razzie for Worst Supporting Actress which makes no sense she should have been nominated um uh yeah I mean I she, the great news is that she's not done yet no you know she's not I know she's not and we're gonna and the academy is famous for awarding people for projects that aren't necessarily the ones mm. that they should should have won for but it's like you know it everyone will sleep very well the night that Glenn Close wins her academy award I oh think. 100% because it mean, will happen yeah you can't Susan Lucci that <laughs> even Susan Lucci won eventually yeah I feel like uh she is one moment um I feel like she's the Geraldine Page of our generation where uh, uh, A Trip to Bountiful was the movie that she won for over Whoopi for The Color Purple. But at that yeah. point, Geraldine Page had been nominated like eight times. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, like we got we to gotta give it to her now. And I think, I believe that Glenn Close is now at eight or nine. Yeah, yeah. Something like that. It's, and it's she's due. Like she's overly due. Honestly, shame on everyone if she doesn't yes. get an award. <laughs> I know. An Academy Award at some point. And not a life achievement. Like, Peter, o, Peter O'Toole got a life achievement. Uh, right. And remember, he he went up on stage and he's like, you know, I'm not done yet, right? Yeah. It's like, I feel like Glenn Close <laughs> would do the same thing, you know? I love that. Um, their son was there as the lead singer of every single emo band. Holy fuck. Super annoying. Uh, um, I, 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 if you can... Name a one-note performance. Uh, he yes! gave it. He oh gave it. I'm God. brooding. I'm mad at Dad. I know. <laughs> God, you don't even understand. I gotta go. <gasps> Dad been smoking pot, so what? Yeah, exactly. Um, I'm so damaged. So basically, you know, Glenn Close's character, she's always kind of doing damage control, and she's the one keeping everything together. I guess also, too, like, watching the movie again when you know the big secret, it does kind of affect the way that you view it. Um and your feelings towards the husband because you just the, go in being like, I hate this guy. And the slow burn, I will say, did not work. I knew what was going on already. Right. You know, like, because they don't really admit that she wrote his works, but they're always, like, they sort of, and this is a this is a directorial choice, I think they were a little bit too heavy-handed on the hinting mm. uh, because I knew within, you know, I, I knew within the first 15 minutes where this was going. And sure. to me, that that isn't helpful to an actor's performance necessarily because now I'm, now I'm like, oh, oh, you know the secret. Oh, I got proven right. And when yeah. you're watching a movie being like, oh yeah, I predicted that like 10 minutes ago. I predicted that 10, 10 minutes ago. Yeah. It, I will say it does detract from my enjoyment of a movie a little bit when I'm not surprised. Really? I mean, I just saw Death on the Nile and I knew within 10 minutes who did it. And then in the end, I was like, oh, maybe not. And then, like, when it was that, I was like, I fucking knew it. Well, I mean, they gave you enough red herrings to doubt yourself. I mean, that's that's the whole point of a whodunit kind of thing. This isn't quite the same as a, like, who committed what or Like, you're what. saying, like, you knew immediately. But, uh, but, like, you knew that it was going to be a reveal, like, oh, no, she's the person behind you. Yeah, him. I was like, I, I knew from that. the second, like, I knew from them jumping on the bed winning the Nobel Prize. Yes, yeah. That this, that's, this was where it was. Yeah. Um, does it detract from her performance? No. No, I don't think so. No. But it just detracted from my overall enjoyment of the film. I like being surprised. The last time that I saw Christian Slater interrogating somebody for a book, I was watching Interview with the Vampire. Oh, my God. And in this way, uh, he kind of was interviewing a vampire because Glenn Close, she's played so many villains, 
maybe she is a vampire. Also, <laughs> Christian Slater is a bit of a vampire because doesn't look like he's aged at all. I know. I love that he admitted that he was in that like Sean Cody movie where he was like a gay porn guy that like oh got that's murdered. right. I was like, what? when you said Sean Cody, I was like, he's in, he's on Sean Cody. I was like, <laughs> I have not seen that pop up in uh, my searches. Um, I think another uh, gonna boil two bunnies was when she finds the walnut for that photographer girl that was following around her husband when she has her boiling point where she loses it and she's like, I wrote everything. You're accepting the Nobel prize for me. I'm leaving you. That's her character's big climax because her character up until this point is just so calm. And so mm-hmm. like laid back and it's fine and we'll fix it. Don't worry about it. And then that time she's like, fuck it. I'm standing up for myself. You know, um, I think, uh, it was a little cheesy that in the end of the movie, she turns to a blank page in her notebook because it represents a new chapter in her life. But otherwise, I thought that this movie was um, well done. You're right; it was kind of obvious right away what it what it was what was going on. Um, but I still enjoyed it. I've seen this movie many times. Hmm. This is one of my favorite Glenn Close movies that I would watch multiple times. And uh, I think that she was the right choice, and I think that she absolutely nailed it, and certainly one of her career best. Wow. I feel like I can't say anything after that. You're like, and Robert, you don't get to say a final words on this one because it's Glenn Close. I will give you a chance to give your final one and then we do have to move on. So what are your final comments? On- no, I think I think you wrapped up really... I will say like that the, la- the final scene where... Um, you know, they have a big fight and the fight results in Jonathan Price, uh, you know, in Joe's character having a heart attack. Uh, I have lived through that moment in my family. It did not result in a death, but I have, I have lived... Where a f- where an argument has turned in, we have to call wow. uh, an ambulance. So that that particular scene hit me. Wow. Um, and I thought it I thought it was well portrayed. Is all I'll say about that. But yeah, like for for movie moments that like you know tap into your own personal personal stories, mm-hmm. like that that did it for me, and I was quite affected. Oh, that's interesting. Um, yeah. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Oh, I mean, everything, uh, <laughs> turned out, everything turned out all right in my story of that. Yeah, right. But seeing that, I was like, oh my gosh, that's that's the other way it could have gone, you know? Um, okay, well, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, <laughs> there you go. I, I, I bet you wish you didn't throw that my way now. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, okay, so let's talk about our winner, um, Olivia Coleman for The Favorite, playing Queen Anne. I'm just going to get through these facts really, really quickly, and then we'll just jump into Olivia Coleman's performance. So most of the costumes for this movie were actually made, deconstructed, and then remade because they were too expensive to rent because a lot of movies are not really about early 18th century uh, times. No, exactly. You either jump to the Victorian era or you go back further. Exactly. Yeah. So there wasn't really a lot of um, uh, costumes that they could simply just wow. rent. Uh, and the ones that they did were too expensive and out of budget. Um, Olivia Colman gained 35 pounds to play Queen Anne. Kate Winslet was originally cast as Rachel Weiss's character. Um, Rachel Weiss described this movie as, and I completely agree with her, uh, this film is like a funnier, sex-driven all about Eve. Hmm. Um, as I mentioned before, Emma Stone dropped out of Little Women to play this role, and then Emma Watson came in, which is why I always confuse them. No, it's the other way around. Emma Watson dropped out, and Emma Stone came in. And then Emma exactly. Stone came in. See, Emma, exactly. Exactly. The See? Emmas. The Emmas. See? I just, I'm always screwing it up. And then uh, this film is actually loosely based on actual events, but historians consider it unlikely that Anne, Queen Anne, was physically intimate with her female friends. Loose. Yeah. Loosely based. <laughs> um, so this movie, uh, The Favorite, yeah, it's basically like all 
all about Eve where Queen Anne is like secretly a lesbian or like bisexual, I suppose, because she had so many children and husbands and the bunnies represent um, her the miscarriages, the miscarriages and the, the dead children. And um, it represents her trauma, her past and her depression. And that's why she's so sad and mopey and strange. I would say that this is Olivia Coleman's sweatiest performance to date. Oh my gosh. Um, anytime <laughs> I think of this movie, I always think about the scene whenever she's like really sweaty getting out of bed. Her face is all kind of messed up because she's clearly near death, very sick. Yeah. And then Emma Stone has to like finger bang her. Uh, and I, I always think about that moment and like just the way that Olivia Coleman is so haggard in that scene. I feel like that that was her Oscar moment because it was just so gritty and so like uncomfortable to watch. Um, you know, I'm so uncomfortable right now. Give that woman an award. Yes, <laughs> kind of. I feel like that's usually what they reward at these things. Oh, no kidding. Um, but all of those bunnies uh, that Glenn Close did not boil. Uh, Snap. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought. Um, Oh, maybe this is rabbit revenge. It is rabbit revenge. Rabbit revenge. You're like, she kept bunnies. She didn't boil them. She wins the award. <laughs> um, uh, I love the comedy of Olivia Coleman where it's like, uh, we've won the war. And then Rachel Weiss is like, it's not done. We have much more that we have to do. And then Olivia Coleman is like, oh, well, I did not know that. And just the way that her character acts like a child when she's supposed to be like the queen of England. It's, 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 um, it's very comedic, but serious and gross. But, but it has gravity to it because you're like, they're, they're like, you know, uh, there are people's lives on the line when you're doing, talking about war. And it, the, the war is like an afterthought to all of the people in the, in this, in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's not being thought of in the terms of casual, like human life being lost. Yes. And I think in, you know, in the view, in place we live at in the world right now, watching this movie, maybe go, oh, wow. You know, powers that be often just do not care about oh. Oh, yeah. the everyday people. And they're like, oh, do we have more people to throw to the cannons? You know? hundred percent. The bourgeoisie. I, yeah. They, um, the thing about uh, Olivia's performance about this, I think that where she really shines, because I really love the juxtaposition of like the elegance of the royal lifestyle with kind of like the grossness of the reality of the time and, and that the characters. Is, that is the time. Like, I, if I lived in that time period, I probably just never would have had sex. Yeah. Because it's like, no, that, everything about that, everything's gross. <laughs> yeah, Nothing an- is clean. I know, your annual bath. Yeah. yeah. <gasps> just disgusting. Um, and uh, whenever uh, Olivia Coleman is like freaking out on her help where uh, she's like, are you looking at me? And then like, he won't look at her. <laughs> she's like, look at me. And then she's like, how dare you? Close your eyes. And then she just has these chi- this childhood this childlike sort of immaturity to her character that's just like really fun and charming and I feel like I'm like is that actually like Olivia Coleman? like is she like that in real life because it's so believable well I mean she she's great at playing characters that you like despite who they are like yeah. I mean her role is uh, in Fleabag where she plays uh, the stepmom mm. where you're like you know you, you hate the character, but you're loving how she's playing it. Yeah. You know? I love that. I am not... I I think I've only seen one episode of Fleabag. I need to get through. I know that it won, it like swept award season. Oh, yeah. And Olivia Olivia Coleman is uh, a great uh, tour de force in that, that mm-hmm. show as well. Uh, and a great foil to... Uh, oh, I forget her last name, but Phoebe. You know, Phoebe. Yeah. We're on a first name basis, yeah. so... Phoebe. Uh, I love that. But... but 
for her, I, I, I gotta say, you know, that wasn't, that wasn't, an, uh, you weren't the lead actor. You weren't the lead actress in this. That's what they said. So Emma Stone had 57 minutes of screen time. Olivia Colman had 42. And Emma Stone was nominated for supporting. And Olivia Colman was nominated for lead. I do think that Olivia Colman's performance is better than Emma Stone's. Sure. And I think that it can, just like Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lambs, who's only in the movie for 20 minutes, who won lead actor... Or yeah, Meryl right. Streep as Miranda Priestly really was only in the movie for like 20 minutes and truly should have just been supporting, was also a lead. I do believe, I mean, we talk about category fraud on this podcast all the time, but I, I would say that I buy her as the lead, but realistically it was Emma Stone that was the lead. Well, for me, I'd look at the narrative and you, from the beginning of the movie, you were watching Emma Stone's mm-hmm. character's story from being, you know, being destitute because of her family's fall from grace mm-hmm. and then watching her work her way back up to being the favorite, so mm-hmm. to speak. She is the favorite we are talking about in mm-hmm. this movie. The title is... Out. So I was I was a bit surprised watching this movie that where I was... Because I, I really do think think that this that her role sits firmly in the best supporting actress category as totally. a, as, uh, as opposed to this and, and it is really because for me the narrative seemed to be behind Emma Stone's character yeah you're right I mean yeah probably category fraud I buy her I buy her as the lead only because I think that Olivia Coleman shone brighter than kind of all of them definitely the performance was it also required more i mean you know she's you know she's we're showing her near the end of her life and her face is contorting she has some sort of palsy i would guess or or something's going on i i don't don't know the historical of what she was going through but you know she portrays the physical attributes very well yeah um I always get a little bit cranky when when it's like, oh look, I'm contorting my face and making myself look ugly. Give me an award. Yeah, uh, <laughs> obviously not what Olivia Colman was thinking in that role. She's a very she's a class act. Right. But I mean, I do feel like the the Academy likes to do that. It's like, oh yeah, I remember she made herself look so ugly. We're always so impressed when when people make themselves look uglier than they are. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, I think uh, a really nice moment that you see because Olivia Colman as Queen Anne is, um you don't really see like a big arc for her character or no, something like, like that. You, she doesn't exactly. The, I don't, I'm not feeling the story arc coming out yeah, in the same way. Exactly. But you do sort of see a bit of a change in her whenever she realizes that Rachel Weiss is gone now. And you do see that, um, Queen Anne played a game and she lost. No kidding. And she has remorse for that decision. And then you're just stuck with the line, rub my leg. And, Sorry. uh, Sudden, and then Emma Stone, it's full circle, has uh, become the favorite. But then she has become what she started out as when she was just repeatedly the victim of sexual assault. Um, and then she realizes that Emma Stone is also lost. It's beautifully acted. It's beautifully written. I love the cinematography. I love how yeah. everything was black and white. Um, like a lot of, if I'm if I'm correct, a lot of uh, there's quite a bit of fish fisheye lens in this too was that me am i imagining that right now uh ignore that if i'm wrong i don't know but i do love that everything was just kind of constantly black and white like or candlelight that would kind of be like the little pop of color well well, i mean when you look at uh, paintings from that era it like the scenes fit because it's just such so much dark rich colors like Mm -hmm. in the background like whether it's the walls of the room Mm -hmm. or or something like that whether that aided olivia's performance or not i'm unsure (laughs) Uh, but there was one thing uh oh gosh i wrote down my one of my favorite lines she's like um 
like when uh it's and i'm sorry that i'm saying the actors names instead of the the characters but rachel weiss's uh character is saying like what like why why am a stone why do you bring this and you know her it's like i like it when she puts her tongue inside i wrote that down too damn (laughs) that's reason enough (laughs) um i wrote that down and then i also uh, wrote down whenever Rachel Weiss has that scar on her face after oh, she yeah. like almost dies and she comes back and then she tries to kiss Queen Anne and she's like, dude, dude, she's like, your face frightens me, smacks her, she flies off the bed <laughs> yeah. and then she's like on the floor and like, I just love like the comedy that like Olivia Coleman brings to the character. I, I'm assuming that was intentional because she was nominated, she won the Golden Globe for best comedy. So like, I'm assuming that that was intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just think that the hysterical tantrums and the drama that she brings to it is very serious, but very funny. And I think that that's probably my favorite moment. Um, but talking about Olivia Coleman's performance, I totally bought her as Queen Anne. Oh, me too. Yeah, no question whatsoever. No question. Olivia can disappear in a role very well. Absolutely. I think that she's absolutely fantastic. But, um, you, you know, like we were saying, there's not really a huge arc to the character. And... Um, it's certainly one of Olivia's best. It makes me wonder what might have been left on the cutting room floor for the edit. Hmm. Like, cause maybe there was more of an arc and it got, and it, they just, they made the decision. No, we, this is the important part of the story that we need to tell. Oh, absolutely. Who knows? Um, so we are just going a little bit over time. So I do think that we should just go ahead and reveal who we think should have won. But before we do, do you have anything else that you would like to add to Olivia's performance before we select a winner? Yeah, she's great. She's great. Uh, okay, so Robert Watson, you are my guest. So if you will do the honors of revealing first who you think should have won. Uh, I think that the winner of Best Actress for the year 2019 is... Lady Gaga. Wow. I know. I, 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 I was saying the whole time, I was like, Kyle, I don't know what he's going to say, but I, that's, I'm sticking to it. Wow. Yeah. Why? You, you have, you, like, you've, you, you planted a lot of doubt oh, into my mind. So you okay. did a good job because, yes, because <laughs> I know, who, I, I, I can tell who you probably think. But for me, I mean, it was just, it was, it, de- it delivered exactly what, I, I think I'm associating it with memories of having watched it the first time. And I think mm-hmm. that's one of these, because I was taken on a trip and Lady Gaga was a part of that, was the, the main part of that trip for me. And I just, I was swept up and I loved it. And I'm a sucker for someone who can sing a song really well and act it and ah. Love it. Okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. That's fantastic. I'm actually delightfully surprised by that response. Um, okay. So I think that the Oscars should have gone to... Melissa McCarthy for Can You Ever Forgive Me? Now I am gagged. Yeah. I I know. I actually was so sure that I was going to pick Glenn Close. I would say that if it was between like Olivia Coleman and Glenn Close in like a two-person nomination situation, it should have been Glenn Close. Yeah. It really was her year. The narrative was there. And literally, like we were saying, the narrative of the story of watching some watching somebody walk away with the glory over and over again is literally her Oscar narrative. So yeah. if she would have won, it would have made perfect sense. And I do actually think that um, Glenn Close should ha- have that Oscar. Yes. And she should have won that year. I'm However, gagged. my personal taste is Melissa McCarthy because I feel like of all of these characters, she felt the most real to me. Yeah. She felt the most 
I like I know that person. I know that woman. I know that writer. I the cynicism, the negativity, the lack of self-worth, the constant self-destructive behavior, de- destroying your um whenever she's like with her ex-lover and they're talking and then she's like she's oh, like yeah. I was trying so hard whenever I was with you and then the person was like no, you weren't. But in <laughs> Jan- in in Lee Israel's mind she was and it's like I have been in that situation when you're a writer, when you're a comedian when you're a performer, when you're an artist, mm-hmm. it's like you don't view the world in the same way that like maybe a normal person does or a civilian as we call them. You know, her performance just resonated with me so much that made it, I recognized a lot of my old self in her and you really lose Melissa McCarthy in that performance. I don't think it's Melissa McCarthy. I think that it is Lee Israel and mm. um, I could smell her apartment. You know what I mean? It just... <laughs> And her her moments with Richard E. Grant was just so beautiful, and I like got a little emotional. And it's just wow. I've seen this movie a few times now, and I think of all of the performances, this one felt the most relatable, most realistic, and the one that I really enjoyed the most. Um, but if Glenn, but Glenn Close is like super hard second, um, and if she would have won, I wouldn't be mad at that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay, so we this I think this is the longest episode ever and I don't even We love care. talking to each other. I mean, I, I love I talking to you. So I'm so We have hey, a great hey reporter. I love it. Um okay, hope you enjoyed so, uh, this extended cut. Yeah, so everybody <laughs> check out Robert Watson's um uh, stand-up comedy special that's coming out to out TV as well as uh, Amazon in April. Mm-hmm. Uh, where can people find you on social media? Yeah, well I have all of my fun over at Gay AF Comedy. Great. Uh, so find me on Instagram, Twitter that way or you can find me at this is Rob Watson on any of your social handles as well. So there you go. Go ahead and follow him and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Did you enjoy the show? Want to hear more episodes? Visit patreon.com slash bestactress to access our entire catalog of episodes ad free with your subscription. Subscribers also get access to new episodes one day earlier than everyone else. Oh my God. Go to patreon.com slash bestactress to subscribe and I will see you all at Howard's Inn.